Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. Welcome to Latino Stories. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today is Lourdes Barroso de Padilla. Barroso de Padilla currently serves as the Senior Vice President for City Year, Inc., as well as the Director for the Latina Mentoring Academy, a unique professional mentoring program for Latinas in Central Ohio. Lourdes is a bilingual, first-generation Cuban-American who was born and raised on the east side of Columbus, Ohio, and is a product of the Columbus Public School System. She resides with her husband, Ernesto, and daughters, Eva and Valentina in Eastmore. Bienvenida a este episodio, Lourdes. Gracias. Thank you. Lourdes, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am the daughter of immigrants, and my mother will correct me and say I'm the daughter of political refugees, which mm. is definitely more accurate. My parents left um, Cuba with my two sisters in 1970. And, um, you know, for them, the idea of the American dream was really about... Uh, freedom and justice and access. Mm -hmm. And like most immigrants, migrants, and refugees, they came to this place called Ohio mm -hmm. because they knew someone. So mm -hmm. my my Pleitia, um, who was my aunt's hairdresser in Cuba but became a good family friend, said, you should come to this place called Columbus. It's a good place to raise a family and find a good job. And so they came. And mm -hmm. so my dad worked as a busboy at the famed Kahiki restaurant. Mm. Um, and he later on went to, he was a union worker in a sheet metal factory and then opened up the first Latino food store here in Columbus mm. called Tropical Food Market. And then he went on to retire from, um, he was a warehouse manager. And mm -hmm. then Mommy went to work at my Playthea's beauty shop <laughs> where she washed heads for a quarter a head. And she learned English by watching All My Children in One Life to Love, which I say that's all the dramatica that you need to know about my mom. <laughs> um, and then she wanted to be a nurse, and the closest that she came to that was she worked in a medicine packing company, and that's where she spent the entirety of her working career. And we grew up in what would be anybody else's first house, but our forever house on the east side. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was an east side kid, right, and grew up going to Columbus City Schools and having that experience of being like a Columbus kid. So then um, after I went to a high school that was six houses away from my house, mm -hmm. and my middle school was two blocks away, my elementary school, and in a neighborhood where Mrs. Gamble would snitch on you if you went too high in the tree and call <laughs> my mom when we didn't go to school. Um, and then after high school, I wasn't sure of what I wanted to do. I mean, I graduated from high school literally by the hair of my chinny chin chin. I had mm -hmm. teachers that said, There's more for you out in this world, and if we hold you back, we're holding you back from that. And uh, I found this program called City Year. It's an AmeriCorps program, and it was life-changing for me. As a 17-year-old, I helped to turn a community center, an old church, into a community center mm -hmm. on the south side of Columbus. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ran an after-school program and a senior breakfast program and a store Those were real shopping experiences, a free store, but mm -hmm. we had you come in, and we would show you all the goods. And look for things in your size for you and your kids. So people really had to, they could have that, that shopping, full shopping experience. Mm -hmm. And then we realized that we were making decisions for the community. So we started knocking on doors and we started talking to people about the things that they needed in, um, in their community. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, here I was, a Latina, first generation American, grew up 
in a very urban environment, and I was working in an Appalachian community Mm -hmm. that looked very different from anything that I had experienced, because we're taught community through our eyes, not Mm -hmm. always through our hearts, and there's love and joy and pride in every community. It just looks very different, right? Mm -hmm. Every community looks different. But I started to realize when I was knocking on those doors, sitting in people's living rooms, that proximity is everything. Mm. That if you really listen to people, they tell you the things that they need and that they want. And I started to also realize that we, no matter what we look like, we all want the same things, right? We want opportunities for ourselves, opportunities for our kids. We want better than probably what we had Mm -hmm. for the people that we love. And um, that stuck with me, and I knew then that that was what I wanted to spend my life doing, was really working in community and working in, in service. Right. Lourdes, you're one of the very few Latinas, uh, women, running for office in Ohio. What made you decide to run for Columbus City Council? Um, two things, really. So going back to that story, I mm-hmm. think, you know, service has been a part of my life, and, and um, I've worked for City Year for 25 years. I run the Latina Mentoring Academy. And I found that when, um, you know, you give people a platform to succeed, they will always ride to, rise to the occasion because mm-hmm. we all have that magic, that special sauce inside of us. Sometimes you just need people to tap into it or you need the tools, right, to, to really use your voice, to empower yourself, to empower your community. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, I was a boomeranger, I moved to the East Coast, came back to Columbus, and it was a very different city, right? You... I mean, Columbus is a different city, I feel like, every six months, right? right. In the past 20 years, we've never experienced any sort of population dip, right? Mm-hmm. We are about to be the 13th largest city in the country. We are the second largest city in the Midwest outside of Chicago. And the number one driver behind that population growth is immigrant, migrants, and refugees. Mm. And so for me, I noticed a couple of things. First of all, we're inherently leaving people behind as a city because that's what happens when you grow. And I think we started to grow so fast that now we're at this place where Mm -hmm. we can start to slow down a little bit and make some very key decisions as a city about where do we center our growth? Is it growing for the sake of growth or is it centering it in our people? Mm -hmm. And I think that we can choose to do that as a city. I think the things that we're facing are American systemic problems and we need to face that we need to fight them at the city level, the state level, and the national level. But the way that we address them makes them uniquely makes us unique as a city, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that Columbus has shown that we can bring all parts, all sectors together to solve problems when we want to. But it's about doing that every time, Mm -hmm. you know, for the big ones, for the small problems, for the big problems. And secondly, I think, um, you know, my mother's been in this country for 50 years, Mm -hmm. and she's never seen anyone who looks like her Mm -hmm. making decisions on her behalf that has been a voice or an advocate for her, Mm -hmm. right? And when you look at the, this changing population, I, as I said, if, if immigrants, migrants, and refugees are driving our population growth, what does our city look like five and ten years down the road? And how are we taking that perspective into the decisions that we're making? And we need to have representation. We need to have people at the table, mm-hmm. right, that can bring that perspective in. Every day I wake up with my whole self. <laughs> I wake up as a Latina with all of the experiences I had growing up as a daughter of immigrants. Mm-hmm. And it changes your thinking and it changes your perspective. And we all know that when we have more perspectives at the table, it changes the conversation. And so for me, we are at a precipice where we can really start to have a different, different kind of leaders and different voices at the table to make decisions on behalf of our city. Right, right. 
So, Lourdes, regardless of the outcome of the election, as a candidata, <laughs> uh, you are inspiring many, many Latinas to consider a similar role and engage, really engage in politics and in local politics, right? Uh, what is something or someone that inspired you to see yourself in this role? Um, oh, that's such a good question. You know, I often say for this, people have talked a lot about me being the first Latina. I even talk about being the first Latina or the first person from the immigrant, migrant, refugee community. And for me, it's not about being the first. It's about setting the foundation for the fifth and the sixth after me, right? Mm -hmm. It's about once we know, you know, and we all see this all the time, right? Once we let one person in at the table, once you can crack that door, crack that ceiling, then it's a free for all, right? Mm -hmm. Then we start, people start to trust that process. People start to trust having different people and voices at the table. And so I think for me, the thing that inspires me is, you know, I, working with the Latinas that I work with, mm -hmm. um, they are, uh, they are amazing, right? Mm -hmm. And so many of them have sacrificed so much, mm -hmm. right? Whether, you know, immigrants do this all the time. They make these impossible choices, mm -hmm. right? For whatever reason it may be, because they want something better for their children, because um, they're, they need safety, mm -hmm. right? Because they crave freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, Jose Mati, a famous Cuban philosopher, once said that freedom is like air or water, that you will fight for it the same way that you need air and water, that you need freedom, that you need that opportunity to be your full self, mm -hmm. to live, to love the way that you want to. And so for me, um, this is, you know, when you say that you, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing that for me drives me. It is the incredible sacrifices that our grandparents and that our parents made in order for us to be where we are today, mm -hmm. right? And I think that, um, you know, I get emotional talking mm -hmm. about it because I think that it is, uh, it it is, is a sacrifice personal. that you mm -hmm. will never be able to pay back. Mm -hmm. Not fully, right? You know, the, the um, you know, people leave behind their culture, their language, their families. Again, it's these incredible sacrifices that they make. Mm -hmm. And you don't always know what's on the other side. Like I, I tell folks this all the time, whether you got on a plane or crossed a desert or got on a boat to get here, you had no guarantees. And my parents came here with less than $20 in their pocket. Mm -hmm not knowing where they were going to live, not having a job, um, with such uncertainty and caring two children while doing mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. And um, for me, I think it's that investment in an idea that you can come here and you literally can do and be whatever you want, mm -hmm. right? And there are many barriers to getting to that place, but you can break through, right? And I think that the... Um, for all of us who do break through, we have a responsibility to then bring other people with us mm -hmm. and to invite other people to those tables, those spaces, those places that we're not always invited to, but that we got there, mm -hmm. right? And you have that responsibility to give back because um, someone did that for us. Right. Lourdes, I uh, I've known you for many years, and I and I know I know this about you. You know how passionate you are about the community, and and um, how proud you are of your family, your heritage, and and 
And it just your answer reminded me again, right, of your commitment and, and how much you have loved Columbus, um, love being part of, you know, the community and how much your family has been fully integrated into into um you know, into the culture, into the the day-to-day life, including living and losing family members, right? Mm -hmm. That's a whole experience that um, your family has has gone through. Um, And despite that, you've been, you know, you've been um, an advocate. You've also received a lot of care, uh, because of your involvement in the in the community as well, um, so I'm happy, you know, to also know that part of of you and your family. Thank you, I appreciate that. Also, I feel like every time I come on here, this is like Oprah. Oprah always makes it's people my cry. Gift. <laughs> it's my gift. It's my gift. It is your gift. Um, if you win the election, what changes do you hope to implement? What opportunities do you foresee having as an influential voice in our city council? Um, You know, it's interesting. I think we've taken a different approach to this election. And I think I'm also, you know, I think it speaks to my leadership style as well. Um, I think often when we think of elections, people think of platforms, right? Mm -hmm. So what are the two or three things you care about or you're really going to fight for? And it's challenging, I think, in, in city council because it is both a individual and a team sport right Mm. and so a lot of times when you're pushing something forward you also have to convince your colleagues of why this is a good idea or what are the things that you're pushing for and I think for me um, it's been more a little bit more about how am I going to lead and how do I want to govern right and how do I want to make decisions on behalf of the people and where do I want to center those decisions and I think for me uh, first and foremost it's again how is this helping people and families Mm-hmm. You know, the question always goes back to that. If we are making a decision on housing, mm-hmm. you know, who is this going to benefit and how is this benefiting them, right? Mm-hmm. Affordable housing is a complex issue and it's challenging. And I'm I'm also learning. I'm also being very upfront about that is that this is a job that there is like 100% on the job learning all mm-hmm. the time. Because right. there's many things that I thought as a voter, I knew and understood. And as I'm having meetings and meeting more people, all of these issues are so complex, right? Mm -hmm. And it feels like a little bit of like a game of Jenga. If you move this piece, Mm -hmm. something over here is going to fall down. And all of these issues feed into each other. You know, in order to have a good job, you need a good transportation system to get to that good job, right? Mm -hmm. And once you have that good job, you need affordable, you want, you have to have affordable housing. Well, affordable housing also feeds into, do you have a good job, right? Mm -hmm. That you can afford that housing Mm -hmm. that is safe. Do you feel safe in your neighborhood? Like all of these issues are intertwined with each other. I mean, I think if there's a couple things that I would name that are really, um, that are the things that are sitting heavy for me now Mm -hmm. as a, as a mom, as a leader, as a community member, it's, you know, public safety, which mm-hmm. I think we've all been talking about. Everyone should feel safe, whether you are, you should feel safe sending your kids outside to play, and my 81-year-old mother should feel safe watering her lawn, mm-hmm. right? But public safety isn't about, like, just police reform. It's everything, right? Mm-hmm. Everything goes into public safety. It's infrastructure in our neighborhoods. It's investing in our neighborhoods. It's investing in our young people. Um, so public safety is one. Secondly, I think educational choices for our young people and especially as I think about black and brown communities. Mm -hmm. I deeply 
believe in education. I also deeply believe that um, some sometimes people have to, um, a, a traditional education is not for everyone, mm-hmm. right? And I think right now we're giving kids an option of like, you can take like a factory job mm-hmm. or a retail job or go to college. And we know there's an in-between yeah, there, right? Absolutely. There's good union jobs. Mm-hmm. There's apprenticeship programs that folks can be a part of. Mm-hmm where you can earn a living that's gonna support your family. And if college has been a dream deferred, you can work towards that, Mm -hmm. right? Or if you wanna go back and get a degree program because people are always gonna need plumbing. People are always gonna need an electrician. And those are are jobs that pay really, really well, right? right? And so I think while you're figuring things out for yourself or if you don't have the ability to pay for college, this is a path for you as well. And so how are we both introducing those things but also, there's a program that City Council, City Council President Shannon Hartman has been working on, the Promise Program, that would ensure that young people in our city could go to Columbus State, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So these sorts of programs, these sorts of um, partnerships are things that I'm deeply interested in. You know, young people have been at the heart of my work for all of my career. So really giving them a path for themselves and how they succeed is important to me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your honesty. I really um, appreciate leaders that acknowledge, right, that there is a lot, as as we are working towards um, uh, resolving our issues that you're learning, you know, yes. it's, it's on the job learning and there's a lot uh, to, to, you know, um, think about and, and get perspectives and, and, and not come into a community or a problem with this, oh, I know how to do it without listening first, right? Well, and the other thing that I think is also important, and this is something that I've learned throughout my career and is critical even in this role, is that this isn't, we cannot just um, legislate our way out of problems or police our way out of problems or whatever adjective you want to use here. Mm -hmm. It is going to take all of us coming together right? You need the community to push certain things forward. You need them to have buy-in into the solutions that we are facing. Also, when we're talking about specific communities, you have a vested interest as a community member Mm -hmm. to really be invested in what that solution is. And you should be part of it every step of the way, Mm -hmm. right? This is not just on our leaders to solve because the problems are too big. We have to have everyone at the table to solve those problems. You know, and so I think that being a um, being an elected official isn't just about creating legislation. It's also about being an advocate. It's mm-hmm. about being at the state house. It's about being an advocate for people in the community, right? It's it's about that advocacy. I think it's also about bringing people together to have conversations. It's mm-hmm. about brokering partnerships that are going to work for the people. I mean, it's much more than just this idea of like, especially I think what it means now to mm-hmm. be an elected official, I think in today's world is very different than I think what we've traditionally thought of that role as being. Right. Lourdes, how can the community support candidates like you? Uh, that is also my favorite question. <laughs> I think, because <laughs> there's a couple things. I mm-hmm. think that... Um, First and foremost, folks have to know who their elected officials are. And I say this all the time. I think that we spend our time Googling what's happening in New York or Mm. Atlanta or California or wherever else. And that's great. And you should do that on your spare time. And in the rest of your time, you need to know the people who are representing you, the people who are driving your streets and live in your neighborhood and are your neighbors. Because 
they're the ones who are impacting your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are deciding if that street light goes on your street. They're the ones who are paving your roads. The most basic things to the things that really get at the heart of the matter, you know, some of the things that we have happening at the Ohio House right now, mm-hmm. there are bills that people don't even understand how it's going to impact the things that they care about, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're too busy looking over here at these other shiny things, right? So that's first and foremost is get to know your candidates. Secondly, and this is super important, political power is not just showing up on election day. Political power is also investing in the people who you believe represent the ideas that you care about, right? And too many times, I think that people think about giving to an election like it's I have to give you all of my money. Mm -hmm. If you give $5, you have become an investor in that idea and in that person, Mm -hmm. right? And you're ensuring that that person can represent you because whether we like it or not, elections cost money. (laughs) And Columbus is a huge city. And I could be on every podcast. I could run 101 fundraisers every day, every hour of the day. I could be out here meeting with people, mm-hmm. and I would, it would still be a drop in the bucket to the wider Columbus community who's going to come out and vote on November 2nd. Mm-hmm. And so folks need money for their campaigns. And we have an amazing group of women mm-hmm. from different backgrounds who are running this first for the very first time mm-hmm. during this election cycle that people should get to know. We have an amazing group of immigrants that are or folks who from are from the new community, daughters and sons of immigrants like mm-hmm. myself who are running for the first time. People should get to know them. And also, you don't always have to just support the people. People will often say to me, I don't live in Columbus, so I mm-hmm. wish I could support you. You can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give right. me $10, $5. You know, invest in this idea because if that's exciting to you, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Those School board members and city councilors and mayors, that is the bench of folks who could go on and they could they could um, go into another office. They could move on to Senate or Congress. We're building the bench of leaders. And mm-hmm. even if they decide not to run for office again or after their tenure of, of being an elected official, there's still going to be leaders in your community. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're mm-hmm. still building the bench. And I think. Having a diverse electorate is so important to us because, you know, when we talked about young people, our kids need to see us to be us. And so okay. that's the other reason that we want to ensure that we really have representation at every level of government. Mm-hmm. Well, candidata, thank you so much for this conversation. <laughs> thank you so much for having me today. I, I said that you were Oprah. I should have said Cristina. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so remember, everybody voting um, on November 2nd. Yes, an early vote. Vo- voter registration mm-hmm. needs to be completed by October 4th. So if you need to make any changes or need to register to vote, early voting begins on October 5th, the very next day. Mm-hmm. And then it goes all the way until November, November 2nd. 2nd. A todos, gracias por escucharnos. Y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Mm-hmm.